Listen to this. They love them up there in New Hampshire. Big day there. <laughs> Donald Trump greeting the crowds here as the first in the nation primary gets underway in the great state of New Hampshire. I say great because you know what? I'm from there, born and raised, ladies and gentlemen. So I know a thing or two about this state, what they're thinking right now. I mean, look, all I can say is everybody get out there. Vote, 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 vote. We don't want to give you too many predictions about what's going to actually happen. But I do want to share with you some of the color from the ground. Donald Trump speaking with reporters just moments ago. I believe this one comes from Londonderry, New Hampshire, just outside Manchester. Let's roll the tape. Oh, it's, it's lightening up because it's so easy. They don't have to come here. It, it is, you have to watch both borders and you have to watch fly-ins. You have to watch everything. But the southern border is like nobody's ever seen. But the northern border is bad, too. They have done a terrible job. This is one of the worst things. I believe it's one of the worst tragedies ever to befall our country. I really do. I think it's one of the great tragedies in the history of our country, what they've done. Either they're very stupid, which I don't believe they are, or they hate our country. It's very simple. It can be nothing else. They're very stupid or they hate our country. To allow millions of people to come into our country totally unchecked, totally unvetted, uh, it's, it's not even believable. And it's the biggest issue now. You know, the economy was big and inflation was big. It's all big. But this, I, I think the border issue now is the biggest. You know what? He's right. It is the biggest issue right now. It is a big, big concern. A lot of other things have mattered. Certainly the economy, for sure. Internationally, what's going on, that matters too. But when you look at what's happening at the border and you see the 300,000 people coming in just in the month of December alone, and then you look at the lack of will, the lack of ability to get any of this under control, but not only the ability, the lack of just pure willingness, well, then you start to say, okay, we got a problem, ladies and gentlemen. And that, in fact, is what I suspect a lot of this election is going to be decided on. We're going to get to more of this showdown because I'm telling you, Texas is not having it. They're not having it. They're like, no way. You, you, want, you want to go at this, Joe Biden? See, this is actually kind of dangerous now because you get two sides there. And they feel very strongly about this. Everybody talks about the Civil War, et cetera. You know, hey, look, I, I don't like how this sounds, but we are getting closer and closer to that moment, especially in light of so much that we have seen as of late, this digging in. Wait till you hear the latest from Rachel Maddow. Oh, my gosh. Well, good to have you guys here. Good to have you here on New Hampshire Primary Day. I am Trish Regan. This is the Trish Regan Show. We're brought to you in part by Legacy Precious Metals, one 560 If you're worried about inflation, which I have been, and I've been completely right on, then this is one way you might look at diversifying your portfolio by investing in gold. Silver too. A lot of people like silver. It's a little bit more uh, economical for some people. But I've always looked at gold over the years as one of those hedges, for myself anyway. There are different ways you can do it, but diversification is critical. One eight six six five eight nine zero five six zero. These guys are just great. All right, I want to go to Nikki Haley right now because things are getting a little testy. I mean, she went on to Fox and Friends, and they're kind of like, "What are you doing still in the race?" By the way, what's going on with Fox? Anybody think it's sort of strange that all of a sudden they're like, "Rah rah rah, Trump." I mean, they're out there on the campaign trail with him. You got Brett Baer doing all these interviews. They got town halls. You got. What's his name from Fox and Friends getting a whole tour of the plane? I, I thought they didn't like Trump. Like, what's, is this just, you know, this is which way the wind is blowing? 
In other words, the handwriting's on the wall, so Fox needs to get along with him, go along, get along kind of thing. I mean, very interesting because he was persona non grata. It was very clear they were pushing, pushing, pushing Nikki Haley. And now all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Trump is relevant. Anyway, now they're pushing Nikki Haley saying, hey, you know, what are you doing still in the race? And she's like, come on, people. I want you to see this because it gets a little bit uncomfortable. She's on the couch there with the anchors in New Hampshire. And she kind of at some point lets them have it. Watch. The facts are that Donald Trump beat you by 30 points in Iowa. Now in New Hampshire, the facts are that you were down in the polls. These are the polls. We know polls can be wrong. If you don't win today, do you go on to South Carolina? And I'm from South Carolina, and we love you there. We love Tim Scott there, but Donald Trump is also loved there. You don't want to go into your state and lose that state if you stay in the race, because we'd love to see you in some other capacity down the road. What is your response to that? Do you get out if you lose today? No, I don't get out if I lose today. I mean, first of all, again, I'm going to say this. We've had 56,000 people vote for Donald Trump, and you're going to say that's what the country wants. That's not what the country wants. We're going to have New Hampshire vote today. They deserve to have the power of their voice said. I have won South Carolina twice. Not against Donald Trump, but that's neither here nor there. Look, you know what? She's giving it the old college try. I just don't. I mean, hey, you know, I want to be careful about this because the bottom line is you just got to get out there and vote. And, you know, we'll, we'll dissect it day after. I mean, the polls are definitely not necessarily uh, indicative of a, a big win for Nikki Haley. In fact, they're showing quite the opposite. But it's really important that everybody get out there, say their piece, so to speak, get to the polls and 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 we'll see how it all shakes out. Right. And that's when you can kind of do that analysis after the fact. I hate to do that right now because people are still going. They're going to be getting out of work. They need to go and vote in New Hampshire. But very interesting when you see that dynamic. At some point, she kind of looked at them and was like, would you guys stop over on Fox? Would you just stop like coronating Donald Trump? Again, weird, right? Because they used to hate Trump. (laughs) Now they're like best buds suddenly. So she's like, really, do you have to do that? And one of the guys picks up on it and he kind of challenges her on it. So again, it gets a little bit uncomfortable. Watch. I'm going to fight no matter what. I don't care how much y'all want to coronate Donald Trump. At the end of the day, that's not what Americans want. Americans yeah. want a choice and we're going to give them you that choice. You keep saying coronate, lie, not tell the truth. What are you saying in the catch? I'm really wondering why you think we're the enemy. <laughs> Because I've looked at the media. Look at the media saying, oh, this is Donald Trump's to have. Look at the political class all coalescing and saying everybody needs to get out. That's not democracy. That's not who we are. Who we are is when have we ever had two people down to two people in New Hampshire and you say, oh, it's over. We don't do that. South right. Carolina is an amazing Isn't state. It's hard when it comes to believe that three states really could choose an election for the entire country. I mean, it's what we—it's a beautiful thing. It's yeah. what we go through. And at the end of the day, it's the fact that you don't do this for any reason outside of you love your country. Mm-hmm. I'm doing. Well, you know what? In fairness to her, she did a nice job with that. And you need to love your country a whole lot to do this and to put yourself and your family through this. That I will say. And let me just say it's easier for some people than it is for others. I mean, look at what Trump is going through. Look at all of these lawsuits, one after another. And it's amazing he can even be in New Hampshire today because the the judge yesterday in the Gene Carroll case 
was talking about having him show back up in court. It's like, come on, guys, enough already. They're coming at him every which way to Sunday with multiple lawsuits. It's actually even hard to keep track of, let's be honest, right? A little hard to keep track of all these lawsuits. And so you give up a lot when you go into politics. It's amazing that anybody ever wants to do this. I got to say, maybe there's some financial payoff in it somewhere, somehow, for some people. That's what the cynics say. About Joe and Hunter Biden, anyway. We'll leave those allegations for another day. I'm still waiting for more information. But first, to the shocking news out of the Supreme Court. They're basically saying, you know what, Joe Biden, you can go ahead and cut down that wire in the state of Texas. Pretty wacky stuff, because last I checked, the Constitution provided that the federal government would actually protect, ladies and gentlemen, protect our states, quote, from an invasion. That would be Article 4, Section 4. It specifically says it. Let me see if I can. It specifically says that you have to protect against invasion. I mean, it's right there in the print of the Constitution. And yet Joe Biden has no interest in doing so. Clearly. I mean, this is wild. This is crazy. And so can you blame Texas for saying, you know what, we got to take this into our own hands We can't manage all these people coming in. We're going to put up our own fence. We're going to put up a wire fence. Let's look at the video of this wire fence. And now the Supreme Court's like, nope, Joe can cut it down. So all of these people coming in, they've got this wire fence. And the Supreme Court's like, okay, you know, this is going to basically live another day. They're going to continue to deliberate and decide on this particular issue. And in the meantime, in the meantime, guess what? 300,000 people, a record in the month of December alone, coming into this country. Donald Trump weighing in on the issue. Again, I want to show you. we got two clips from him out of Londonderry, New Hampshire today. One in which he says, you know what? This is, this is the short one. I'm just telling the team here. This is, this is the short one where he's like, you know, I don't think I've ever seen this. Not in the third world does anybody have a border quite like this. Let's watch. I think we have the worst border anywhere in the world. I don't think any country, a third world country, never had a border. Uh, yeah. I mean, I keep saying this, right? No other country in the world, whether it's first world, third world, if you want to use politically correct terms, emerging market nations. I'm sorry, none of them have had border issues like we have here in the United States of America right now. If you can't secure your country, if the federal government cannot do its job, I mean, what do you expect Texas to do? Reminder, make sure you subscribe. I think we just put the little thing on. I heard the little ding. Subscribe, like, share, all that good stuff. Make sure you hear, are here and that you, you've hit the bell so that you get all this information directly from me as soon as I'm live here daily. And we are live. I'm going to go out to your comments in just a moment. Hey, we got more and more people tuning in. So thank you for spreading the word. I'm telling you guys, this is not right. And I look at it and I say, why are they doing this? I think it's a politically sensitive issue and a huge mistake on the Democrats. I mean, the New York Times had a story on this today, basically, that people feel really, really strongly on this border issue. And so why are the Democrats choosing to ignore that and pretend like, oh, come on, come on, Gavin Newsom, for goodness sakes, he's going to offer you free health care. Yeah, he's going to take $2 million, forgive me, billion dollars that he does not have and offer it up for free health care. I mean, he's already $68 billion in the hole, so what's another two, right? Except that nobody actually wants to live in California anymore. It's just become an absolutely miserable place. Just look at San Francisco right now. 
miserable, horrible place, and they tax you more than anywhere else. So anybody with a couple brain cells says, I'm out of here. I mean, if you can, you're out of there. But again, this is the mentality. Like, let's bring them in. Let's absorb them. But how? I mean, like, I'm sorry, like, does no one know math? Is this part of the equitable math thing where nobody can add or subtract or multiply or divide? We don't have the money for it. We don't have the infrastructure for it. We don't have the paperwork for it, for goodness sakes. So Donald Trump also making this point, saying this is going to be the biggest issue in this campaign. I'll tell you, he got it right in 2016, and he's getting it right again. Americans have had it. Watch him here in Londonderry. I think we have the worst border anywhere in the world. I don't think any country, a third world country, we got another never one. had we a border. We got another goodie. I think just, Drew's got one more good one that we want to show you because we just we just played that. But I think we got one more. Again, there were a couple sound bites that came from won. and Gary. With no, your but, support, but we will soon be hey, taking we'll, the. We'll take it. <laughs> the first one, the first longer one. I think we. Oh, got it's it. it's lightning up because it. it's so easy. They don't have to come here. It, it is, you have to watch both borders, and you have to watch fly-ins, you have to watch everything. But the southern border is like nobody's ever seen. But the northern border is bad, too. They have done a terrible job. This is one of the worst things. I believe it's one of the worst tragedies ever to befall our country. I really do. I think it's one of the great tragedies in the history of our country, what they've done. Either they're very stupid, which I don't believe they are, or they hate our country. It's very simple. It can be nothing else. They're very stupid or they hate our country. To allow millions of people to come into our country totally unchecked, totally unvetted, uh, it's, it's not even believable. And it's the biggest issue now. You know, the economy was big and inflation was big. It's all big. But this, I, I think the border issue now is the biggest. And you know what? I think he's right. And it's smart of him up there in New Hampshire, I'll tell you, because we border Canada in New Hampshire and the, the welcome sign, when you go across the state from Massachusetts, it says, bienvenue, which is the French word for welcome. I never got that, right? Like, why is it in French? Anyway, so you get French Canadians coming down. That's not really an issue in the way that you've got it at the southern border, but it's another security vulnerability. And if you're concerned about national security, and we all should be, especially when you see the numbers and the video of all of the Chinese migrants that are coming in via our southern border. You got to look at the northern one, too, and say it's just as easy, right? Like, what are we doing? How do we get control of this? There are some in the Democrat Party, including this administration, that figure the way to get control of it is to just keep inviting people and just put them into the system and you just make them citizens. Like, that's going to work. I mean, good luck, guys. I'm all for figuring out a path to Not citizenship, because I'm sorry, you come here illegally. Why are we ever, ever going to reward you with citizenship? I mean, I I hate to be harsh, but if you're here illegally, then why do we reward that? Why is that like, okay, gold star, you came here illegally. No, 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 no. You reward the people that come in through legal methods. Let's have a system. He said this way back in 16 with the red carpet for the legal Migrants, the legal immigrants that come to the United States of America. Let's do it like we always have. Instead, you got Kamala Harris with a special brand of word salad going on, talking to this CNN reporter. It's kind of funny. You got to bear with me here because you got to actually stick with it long enough to, to, to hear and understand what she's saying. But yeah, she's like, come one, come all, and we're going to give you a passport. 
can't this be accomplished during this administration? Well, so there is no question that our immigration system is broken. And so much so that we, as the first bill that we offered after our inauguration, was to fix the immigration system, which included what we must do to create a pathway for citizenship mm -hmm. and to put the resources that are needed into the border. But sadly, people on the other side of the aisle have been playing politics with this issue. The solutions are at hand. And, you know, gone are the days, sadly, where a President Bush or John McCain oh, come on. understood that we should have a bipartisan approach to fixing this problem, which come is a longstanding on. problem. But what are those solutions? The solutions include putting resources at the border, to do what we can to process people effectively and putting in place laws that actually allow for a meaningful, meaningful pathway to citizenship. Really? Okay, so she wants more money to be able to manage the border and file everyone and have a process. And not only does she want more of your taxpayer dollars that she's already spending, she wants then to offer that citizenship path. I don't think that's going to happen. At this point, I'm sorry. And you know what? We are a generous country. We are a wonderful country. We do a lot of great stuff. But you can only push us so far here in the good old United States of America. Yes, we all come from somewhere. I get it. Absolutely positively true. And I bet you, you push everyone. We're fine with it. You come from wherever, as long as you're willing to work hard, as long as you're willing to be part of America, as long as you're willing to love our culture and contribute. But if you come here illegally and you suddenly want handouts or you want a citizenship card, that's not going to happen. And you know what? This issue is going to become bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I don't think the Democrats have any winning argument whatsoever. You heard Kamala. This is actually their talking point. Give me a break. Even John Fetterman, Senator from Pennsylvania, he, even he, Democrat, Knows that's not going to get you to first base. Watch Fetterman here on Saw CNN. It indicated you have very high approval among Democratic voters. And it, this information in Pennsylvania and this information came along with the tag that Twitter is not real life. Because obviously a lot of progressives on Twitter have been attacking you for your position on Israel. Uh, for noting that, in your opinion, um, saying that there is a crisis. At the okay, okay, okay. Xenophobic. Tapper, spit um, it out. Why do you think you've been so criticized by so many progressives? I, I honestly don't understand. I, I don't understand why it's controversial to anybody to decide that you're going to stand with Israel in this situation. I honestly don't understand why it's controversial to say we, we need a secure border. Uh, I've been very clear. In fact, that was weaponized against me as Republicans in my race, that I'm very much a, a, a strong supporter of immigration. And, you know, my my wife's family, I, that's the uh, Oregon story about that. Uh, but he did say, I, that I want a strong border. You heard that, right? In other words, Fetterman, even Fetterman wants a strong border. You can be pro-immigration and insist that we need a strong border and you're not going to reward people who break the law. I mean, why are we rewarding people who break the law? It's like, honestly, you know what? It's like DEI on steroids. That's what this is. This is DEI gone wild. Because if you're white, this reminds me of the woman from 
the John Johns Hopkins University just the other day. Remember that top 10 list of privilege? If you're white, if you're Christian, if you're heterosexual, if you're male, uh, game over. If, if you're part of the owning class, if you own anything, right, you are privileged. So in other words, this is a very anti America kind of sentiment, and it's taking over. And I think Americans have had it. I remember the woman the other day in in Brooklyn, New York. I mean, the optics of this thing were insane. The optics of the mother watching children file out of the Brooklyn school. I don't care if it was for only a night. They'll say, oh, it was just one night because we had a big storm coming. It's the optics of it. If you're Joe Biden, You don't want to see this, right? Because it's kids getting displaced. Their parents getting upset. They're getting sent home from school while migrants, and I get it's complicated. Yes, they're here, and you got to house them somehow. That's reality, right? Reality bites. Watch this clip. There's no way you can't feel for everyone here. those migrants file in, the American kids file out, and Americans are angry, and they have every right to be angry right now. Again, just a night, but that night symbolized a whole lot for a whole lot of people, and if Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and the rest of the Democrat Party cannot figure that out, then I'll tell you, they're more stupid than anyone thought, or to Trump's point, they really don't like us. Take your pick. It's either deliberate or the the most stupid people on the planet. Donald Trump, again, speaking in New Hampshire just the other night, saying, you know what, as soon as I am sworn in, there's one thing I'm going to do. I'm going to put my hand on that Bible and then watch. And we won. With your support, we will soon be taking the oath of office on the steps of the United States Capitol. And we're going to have a whole we're going to have a whole different country. As soon as I lift my hand from the Bible as your 47th president, I will seal the border, shut down the invasion of millions and millions of people coming into our country, and we will start an energy revolution. An energy revolution. Imagine that. Secure borders. Imagine that. Lower inflation. Oh, my gosh. Now you're just talking crazy. (laughs) Wow. Look. We are the country we are for a reason. And for us to throw all that out, as this administration has done, and pander to extremists like these people at Harvard University right now, I can't even get into that because it breaks my heart when I see how they've defaced some of those hostage photos. It's just really horrendous. But when you're pandering to them and you're trying to make these extremists on the left happy, Instead of looking out for everyday folks, you got a real problem. And the country is going to be seriously challenged as a result. Now, the left, they want you to think, oh, my gosh, he's just awful. He's going to be a dictator. 
he's going to hurt people. He's going to lock people up. He's going to do all kinds of bad things. And it's going to be the end of the democracy of uh, this country as you know it. You're going to have no more constitutional republic. It's the end, the end, the end. They keep telling us this over and over and over again, right? Every one of us, our freedom, our liberty, none of us is safe. It's going to have people around him executing against an enemy's list. Assassinate generals. Ordering troops uh, to um, attack American citizens. Trump's very well-armed and extremist base will try to kill people. He's going to basically burn the house down. He will unravel the institutions of our democracy. Draw similarities between Mussolini and Hitler. Adolf Hitler and Benito Mussolini. Makes Donald Trump even more dangerous. Wants to take away your vote. Senate and the House are immediately going to be paralyzed. People will begin in their minds to censor themselves. They might say, well, maybe I shouldn't say this. This is the end of democracy. Yeah. I think that could be the end of our democracy. But democracy oh. is dead if Trump is reelected. Oh, it up to Putin that democracy will be at risk. The absolute destruction of the Justice Department as we know it. The Justice Department. You're doing, guys. All right. You, you catch the theme here. You get the drift over and over and over again. Our thanks to the great folks over at Gravian for putting that little compilation together. But this is what they're just selling. And it's nauseating because you know what? I, I think that Americans are starting to tune it out. Again, it doesn't matter. When you go to the grocery store and you realize you can't buy eggs for less than $7.99 a dozen, at least where I live, you start to say, this is kind of nuts. I mean, I remember when eggs were like $1.99, $2.99. That was just a few years ago, right? I mean, when, when Americans add up what's going on from an inflationary standpoint and they combine that with what's going on from just a, a security standpoint in terms of our border, you're left with a real big problem. A big, big problem. And so the left, the only way that they can fight this is to scare the heck out of everybody. And so you're going to hear a lot of that. Be prepared. I mean, they just you're going to hear a lot. And I, I want you to think about what they're trying to do and, and the method to their madness. Here's Rachel Maddow. I mean, my gosh, if this woman doesn't deserve the title of chief leftist extremist queen, I don't know who does. Because she was sort of the... Uh, origin point of so many of these nutty stories, right? She used to go on and on about the Trump dossier that was all fake, by the way, every single night on MSNBC. And now she considers herself a so-called historian and is going back and looking at Germany and pre-World War II Germany and post-war Germany and this, that, and the other, and then is trying to sell this idea that somehow if Donald Trump comes in, it's the end of politics. It's the end of the country. It's the end of two sides because he's going to take that away. He, she says, is going to be a dictator because he's not going to allow the other side. I mean, it does seem to me that that's already going on, courtesy of Joe Biden. But listen to Rachel. What he's offering is what he both sort of inherently offers and now more and more explicitly offers, which is, if you pick me, that'll be the end of politics. And you won't have to deal with politics anymore. You won't have to deal with contested elections. You won't have to deal with contests or divisions when it comes to power. You'll have a strongman leader and I'll just do what I want. And won't that be a lot simpler? Um, that's what he's offering. That, that strongman model is what the Republican base is enthused about. And that is 
something that sets him apart from every other Republican candidate. And I think that we're naive to think that he's tricking people into picking him and then mm. surprised he's going to act like a dictator. What he's offering is strongman leadership, the end of politics, the end of elections, the end or the or the sidelining or domesticating, as Ruth Ben-Ghiat says, of the judiciary uh, mm -hmm. and the Congress. It'll be, it'll be excuse me. Excuse me. I do seem to think that that's actually exactly what the left is offering. Am I not right? I mean, they, they're shutting down. I mean, they're, they're totally shutting down one side. I mean, think about cancel culture on steroids. Think about how they have tried to insist that it's only their way. I mean, think of all the DEI and ESG stuff that we have been dealing with, ladies and gentlemen. You want to tell me that's not one side, the left shutting down the other? Think about everything that's happened. Oh, I don't know, as far as Hunter Biden's laptop goes. That was misinformation. And you were going to get shut down if you actually even talked about it. Turns out, huh, what do you know? That laptop was real. The FBI was investigating it. It's just that the Biden team didn't want you to know. They didn't want you to talk about it. And so Rachel Maddow, as she goes on and on and on about how Trump is going to actually be the dictator and shut things down, listen to her here because she starts referencing Germany. She references 1952 Germany and how they basically wiped out one party that they feared was going to take them in the right direction. And then she suggests that we do the exact same thing here. She suggests that the left wipe out the right, wipe out Trump and the entire party of quote-unquote MAGA enthusiasts, right? Because that's the right thing to do. And like, I'm sorry, who's she calling dictator? Watch. In the post-war post years, 1952, they banned parties that wanted to use the democratic process to come back in and dismantle democracy. They haven't done it since then, but they're ready to do it now with this iteration of the far right. She's talking and about we're Germany. obviously considering that with potential insurrectionists um, being back on the ballot uh, in multiple. You, you see where she's going? We're considering that. We're considering taking out one side altogether. And you know what? She's right. I mean, that's what Colorado's doing. That's what Maine's doing. They are trying to take out Donald Trump before you have a chance to vote for him. How is that not a kind of dictatorship? How is that not a suppression of the people, including 75 million that voted for him last time and possibly more this time? That's what the polls suggest, by the way. That if the election were held today between Donald Trump and Biden, Donald Trump would win that. So they're terrified, they're worried, and they're going to keep shoving this fear down your throat until they hope you buy it. And if you don't, well, then what happens then? I'm just curious. What happens then? Do they take matters into their own hands? We're learning today of a story that's coming to us, a report that... Files were deleted related to January 6th. These are accusations that are coming from House committee members, specifically a Republican, Chairman Loudermack, out of Georgia. So again, a Fox report suggesting that the select committee, the former House select committee on January 6th, may have actually gone so far as to delete more than 100 encrypted files and folders 
that related to January 6th in the investigation. I have a question on this. How the heck can that even go down? Like, how does that happen, right? It's taxpayer money. Apparently, they spent millions of dollars on this whole investigation. I mean, it's our money. They did this research, and then they just wipe it out. And they apparently wiped it out just before the Republicans took over there in the House. How can they do that? Isn't that sort of illegal? I mean, if you've gathered all this research and you've used taxpayer monies and purposes to do so, then don't you have an obligation to hang on to that? Apparently, again, according to this new report out of Fox, this is something that Loudermilk is taking up, and he's demanding that they get their hands on those encrypted files, which allegedly are still there. They've had some kind of forensic cyber team go in and look back, and they're like, okay, we could get these if we can just get the appropriate passwords, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, my goodness, if this turns out to be true and there's anything in there that exonerates Donald Trump, then we've got real problems, far bigger than you ever thought. I mean, this is like deep state on steroids kind of stuff, these allegations that are coming forth. By the way, Donald Trump out on True Social today saying, you see, effectively, like this is the material that's going to completely prove my innocence. And so what are they doing? They're deleting it. Look, I mean, there's a lot of questions. I get a lot of questions. Then my question started with the whole Nancy Pelosi documentary. I mean, she, she finds out. Let's, let's, let's go back for a minute. She finds out, Nancy Pelosi, that they've got some security concerns. Donald Trump says he offered her the help of, uh, of the National Guard, and she didn't want it. And apparently other people were offering help. She didn't want any of it. It was yet going to be this really, really challenging, big, bad day from a security perspective. So instead of actually bringing in help, what did she do? She brought in her daughter. Her daughter, Alexandra, who happens to be a documentary filmmaker. It's interesting to me because if you actually thought it was going to be that bad, why don't you actually call in the mainstream media with whom you're all buddy-buddy with? Uh, where's NBC? Where's CBS? Where's ABC? I mean, maybe, maybe someone from MSNBC or CNN can spare the time to help shoot your little video. You can take them inside, inside Capitol Hill on the day of January 6th. Nope, she called her daughter, Alexandra. And Alexandra was making this documentary for HBO. So she's getting paid by HBO. I mean, I don't think it's volunteer work. Maybe it is, right? Because she's serving a political purpose. She's getting paid by HBO to make this documentary and then turns around and sells the footage to CNN. Watch this clip. We got two clips. The first one, I just want to let the team know, the first one is the the one where we, we hear it loud and clear because you didn't hear this all the time. They actually said, guess what? This footage coming to us courtesy of Alexandra Pelosi, a documentary filmmaker and daughter of Nancy Pelosi. Watch. Never before seen footage. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi shown fleeing the U.S. Capitol as it was under attack on January 6th. The videos captured by her daughter, Alexandra Pelosi, a documentary filmmaker. We have got to finish the proceedings. She provided okay. some of her footage to the January 6th selection. Indeed, she did. 
she provided her footage to everyone. I mean, you saw the little CNN exclusive bug up at the top, right? She sold her footage or provided, who the heck knows. But CNN ran it in a loop. Network News ran it in a loop. And after a while, the American people didn't get to hear that this was Alexandra Pelosi's footage that it was all in the family. No, they, they just saw this footage. So this was the, the narration that you saw from inside, inside Capitol Hill on January 6th. Again, it gets us back to why we need to see what was in those 100 plus encrypted files. If these allegations are true and they deleted that stuff, I'm telling you, there's going to be H-E-double-L to pay, real big stuff to pay because we need to know what's in there. Going back to this video from Nancy Pelosi. Remember this? She's like talking a big game. I'm going to punch him out, she says. Nancy Pelosi, take it away. And that's what this is all about. Secret Service said they have dissuaded him from coming to Capitol Hill. They told him they don't have the resources to protect him here. So at the moment, he is not coming, but that could change. I would come, I'm going to punch him out. This is my mom. I've been waiting for this, for trespassing on the Capitol grounds. I'm going to punch him out, and I'm going to go to jail, and I'm going to be happy. Ooh, talking a big game for her daughter's documentary, right? And you wonder, did she script that? Just, <laughs> like, Mom, Mom, say this now. Okay, we got, yeah, there's this great footage, actually. Um, John Solomon and his team at Just the News actually released some of this. You can see Nancy filing out, and it, it's pretty orderly, right? You see the camera there from her daughter shooting all the angles because she's got to get her mom on camera as they dramatize this moment. Now, again, I wasn't there, so I can't tell you exactly how they felt or what was going on, but here's what I am going to say just as a journalist. I find it very uncomfortable that the only footage that we saw over and over and over again in that loop was the footage that was shot by Nancy Pelosi's daughter. Again, bias, 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 bias. And not only, like, it's not even raw, like, cell phone footage. I mean, there's music, because she's a documentary film producer, remember? Which, by the way, documentary films, let me be very, very clear. It's not news, all right? I, I've, I've produced documentaries, and I've produced news. Two very different things. And there's a lot of leading that goes on, the music, et cetera. And sure enough, that's what you get in Alexandra Pelosi's version of things. So between that... Between the taxpayer-funded investigation that they just are apparently, per this story, wiping out 100 files on, I'm kind of annoyed. And I have every right to be annoyed, as should you be annoyed. Because we need to know what actually happened. We can't allow them to rewrite history, for goodness sakes, in real time, as they're trying to do. I mean, it's critical right now. Think about it, guys. It's like, how do you know what's real? How do you know what's not? For goodness sakes, we're living in this brave new world where they get all kinds of AI. Heck, Joe Biden... Apparently a bit of a victim of it there in the great state of New Hampshire where people are voting today. Get out and vote if you're watching from the Granite State. Anyway, they, they set up these robocalls and it's really, really quite something. They're investigating them now because the voice, although you know, Drew on the team says, no, 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 like this doesn't sound actually very good to me at all. Like he, he's actually seen good AI I clearly haven't because I think it sounds pretty good, but apparently it's not a deep fake. It's like a, it's like a light fake. And they sent these things out calling people. Interestingly, it came from the head of the democratic party's cell phone number. 
Kathy Sullivan, who runs the Democrat Party there, they, they somehow got her cell phone number, and it looked like it was originating from that. And it's all fake. It's, it's not Biden talking. I'm going to play it for you. And it's not coming from Kathy's cell phone. And they asked her about it. They asked Dean Phillips, who's running against Biden, not really getting anywhere, but he's running against him there in New Hampshire. And they asked all these people about it. They asked Trump campaign about it. Like everybody's like, no, not us. What the heck is this? But I'll, I'll let you listen. Tell me, do you think it's a good fake or a bad fake? Curious. You can, you can weigh in on the comments. Let's roll it. We know the value of voting Democratic when our votes count. It's important that you save your vote for the November election. We'll need your help in electing Democrats up and down the ticket. Voting this Tuesday only enables the Republicans in their quest to elect Donald Trump again. Your vote makes a difference in November, not this Tuesday. If you would like to be removed from future calls, please press 2 now. Wow. Okay, so it's all a deep fake. By the way, he's not even on the ballot, I should point out, in New Hampshire. I know you guys are talking about that in the chat. It's true. I don't know what's going on. He like, totally blew off New Hampshire. What a guy. New Hampshire, first in the nation. We take it very seriously. Thank you very much. In fact, it was actually written into the state constitution. So whenever Iowa comes up with its state, we pay close attention. Whenever South Carolina comes up with its state, we say, okay, we're going to be a few weeks before. I mean, it's just what we do. And we have a constitutional right to do it there in the great state. Live for your die, New Hampshire. But he totally blew us off in New Hampshire. It was like, yeah, forget about it. So he's not even on the ballot and people are like writing him in or voting for, I guess, the Dean guy. Listen, if Democrats were smart, they would primary him because I don't see any way, any way, shape or form that he's going to make it to the finish line. I really don't. By the way, I'm not alone on that. J.P. Morgan's strategist came out with his predictions for 2024. And one of the predictions was that Joe Biden would actually bow out of this race, citing health concerns before we got to November 2024. So that begs the question, who's actually going to go in? (laughs) Who would the Democrats put in? Oprah? Michelle Obama? She's being talked about. But it's not going to be Dean Phillips. Certainly not. And it's incredible how many mistakes, one after another after another, that this team, this rag team, the B team, the Biden team, keeps making. They're trying to energize the base. They can't energize the base because, well, you know, the base is an extremist bunch and you shouldn't want to energize them to begin with. But it, they're, they're, they're doing weird things. Like, you know, you saw the speech down in South Carolina the other day. You've got, of course, the NFL announcing that the Super Bowl is going to have a new song or at least the addition of the quote unquote black national anthem, because why not divide us a little more? Hey, you know what? It's, it's crazy. And I was glad to see in a press conference that, that just came out, this is just making the rounds on social media, the Buccaneers coach actually called it out. He's like, enough already, all right? Like, you guys are the ones obsessed with all this division and all this racial profiling. Really, we're just trying to, to f- f- play fair, right? Like, this is an honest fight. When you're on the athletic field, race doesn't matter. It's all about winning and in a fair way, let, let's let the Buccaneers coach take it away. Listen to the question the reporter asked and his answer. Uh, you, you and Mike Tomlin are two of the few black head coaches in the league. I wonder what your relationship was like with them and your thoughts on Steve Wilkes joining the NFL. I have a very good relationship with Tomlin. Uh, we don't look at 
what color we are when we coach against each other. We just know each other. I have a lot of very good white friends that coach in this league as well, and I don't think it's a big deal as far as us being coaching against each other. I think it's normal. Wilkes got an opportunity to do a good job. Hopefully he does it. And we coach ball. We don't look at color. But you also understand that representation matters too, right? And that when young aspiring coaches or even football players, they see you guys, you know, they see someone that looks like them, maybe grew up like them, that has to mean something. Well, when you say you see you guys and look like them and grow up like them, it means that we're eyeballs to begin with. And I think the minute you guys start stop making a big deal about it, everybody else will as well. Isn't that great? And he's absolutely right. In other words, media, knock it off. Knock it off. When you guys stop making such a big deal about it, Maybe everybody else will too, but you know what? They're not going to stop making a big deal about it because this is Joe Biden's only path to salvation. It's the only way that he can win. And so thus it becomes a political football. Yeah, politics is a sport. And so they're going to keep using it for all it is worth. Listen, that's not who we are. I hate that we're getting away from what we should be as a country. I mean that. I really do. It's one of the reasons why. A quick little just aside. I had Lee on the show the other day. Lee Habib, my friend, who has a fantastic podcast called Our American Stories. It's great because he tells all these great stories with such a spirit and respect for American values, like the values that have made us who we are as a nation. I really encourage you to check it out. It's called Our American Stories. Even the word choice, right? Our it's it's nice to see that because they are our stories. It's our history. And it, it, it doesn't see color. It sees only people who are people, who are individuals, who have overcome amazing, amazing odds to become who they are. It's such a good one. I really I love the show. I love Lee for coming on. We have more politics to discuss. We also have to talk about whether or not this Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift thing is real, but I I just want to give a plug for Lee and our American stories, because I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, we need to, as individuals, preserve our culture, our heritage, and make sure that our side is told. And by our side, I'm not talking color. I'm not talking male, female. I'm not talking gender. I'm only talking about America and Americans and the greatness that we have achieved and want to continue achieving. Go check it out. Lee Habib's Our American Stories, wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Good little plug for Lee. But uh, let's turn back to some of the news going on at this moment in time. I'm amazed, just utterly amazed at how much the Biden administration wants to force feed us this nonsense on the economy. I mean, here's the good news. Let's see if we can check the markets right now that are just closing out the day. We had the Dow soaring past 38K. How awesome is that? You know, I was looking at an old iPhone the other day. I pulled it up and I I think it was from almost 12 years ago. And I saw I had screen, I had taken a screenshot of the market and it was at 11,000 on the Dow. I'm like, isn't that something? Isn't that amazing? So here we are past 38K. The Dow actually just fall, fell below that. So 38K was in yesterday's trading. We're now at 37,905 S&P, ending the day up slightly higher at 4,864. I will say this, no matter how much they want to tell us the economy is doing great, there is a disconnect between what's going on in the stock market that in my view is very inflation related. One of the reasons the market's going up is because of this overall inflation trade. I don't think we're out of the woods on it yet, just saying. But there's that, and then there's reality. And the reality is, yeah, 
eggs are $7.99 in my local grocery store. I don't know how much they are where you are, but again, I remember when the whole lot cheaper. I remember, this was funny, the other day I'm on, <laughs> I'm on uh, Uber Eats to get some McDonald's on like a Sunday morning for the kids and they wanted some hash browns. And I'm like, are you kidding me? It's $3.98 for a hash brown? I, I remember, I feel like it was just last year that they were $1.29 for the McDonald's hash brown. Like what has happened? Inflation has happened, ladies and gentlemen. Just don't tell anyone in the Biden administration that wants to sell you on this idea Bidenomics is working. I mean, they got to stop enough already, but they can't. Here's KJP. That call was indeed uh, fake and not recorded by the. Mm. Well, that was her on the robocall. She's got a few things to say on that, too. Today, we learned that last year, 19 states achieved their lowest average unemployment rate on record. 23 states sent new record low unemployment rate last year. And 32 states had an unemployment rate below 4% for the entire year. We created a total of 2.7 million jobs last year for a historic 13, 14, 14.3 million jobs created under President Biden. All why wages are rising and inflation is falling. And we've continued lowering costs for families from healthcare and prescription drugs to utility bills. This is the heart of President Biden's strategy. She wants to keep telling you inflation's falling. Okay, here's the deal. So inflation is not 10%. It was near double digits just a short time ago, right? So it's fallen from the double digits, but it's still up. So it was up double digits, and now it's still up. So don't sit there and tell me that it's falling. I mean, that's just a crocky, you know what? Anyway, Jared Bernstein, he's on the National Economics Advisors for, for Joe Biden, and he's a one-note pony. I've known him. He used to come on my CNBC show uh, years ago. Jared Bernstein, he's got a theory that, Really, right now, we just need to spend more. This guy literally wants to spend more. He wants to tax you more, spend more, and print more. I mean, who are these people? Watch them. American Rescue Plan was essential to get shots in arms and checks in pockets to get us to the other side of the uh, crisis induced by the pandemic. And remember, when when we came into office, there was about a 0% vaccination rate across the country. So getting that program uh, going relative to our predecessor was essential for reopening the economy. But at this point, there is uh, zero or even negative fiscal impulse. And that's a really important term in this context. What it in other words, he's saying, we don't have any, we need some. No, you don't need some, because let me just say what I've been saying for so long. I mean, guys, you know what? I would not steer you wrong on any of this stuff. I told you back in August of 2020, and Donald Trump was still president. A lot of people were like, hey, you know, you're criticizing. I'm like, you can't keep coming out with stimulus checks, all right? Not while the Federal Reserve is printing money. It's just not going to work. You're going to have mega inflation on your hands. I was saying this before Larry Summers was saying it, and I was on it and on it and on it and predicted it. And what happens? Joe Biden comes in and he issues a third stimulus check. And then they did multiple rounds of additional congressional spending. I mean, we are just like one big spending bonanza and it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts, which is one of the reasons why I do worry about inflation. It's one of the reasons if you haven't, if you haven't called the folks over at Legacy Precious Metals, first sponsor on this show, by the way, we love those guys, LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's their website. Give them a ring, one 589 560 You can call them, look at 
how you might diversify your holdings. I mean, it's different for different people based on where your age is, et cetera, your risk tolerance, et cetera. But it's worth understanding and having some perspective on right now because prices just keep going up. And I don't see that changing anytime, anytime soon. one 866 Wow. I mean, this administration, it's like, how, how bad can it get? How bad can you get? When you lose sight, ladies and gentlemen, of what you need to do to succeed, whether that be to make money, to have a profitable business, to create entertainment at the likes of Disney that people actually want to go and see. When you lose sight of your customer because you're so obsessed with ESG and DEI or God knows what, you're going to have some problems. That's why Disney's stock price is half what it was just a few years ago. And I got to look at all of this. Target, another example. I mean, Target having all kinds of issues as well. And, you know, but that's in part, I would just say, because they've got their onesie swimsuits and they're, uh, you know, the, the, the swimsuit made for, for the transgender population, or they've got their, their nutcrackers <laughs> that they rolled out for Christmas. The, I guess it was like the, the gay nutcracker or the trans nutcracker. I mean, it was actually, it was actually kind of funny. But they're, they're just saturating the public with this in ways that the public's not really ready for, and they're losing sight of what actually made them successful in the first place, which was giving the public what they needed, fitting a market demand. And the problem at this particular time is that we risk as a nation getting so focused on all these other things, you know, DEI and ESG and all these other little shiny objects that we don't actually focus on getting the work done. This is a symbolic story, what's going on. I'm getting to the airline industry. It's symbolic of what's happening in the nation overall. So news today that Delta's flight, another Boeing airplane, by the way, had one of its wheels come off it, down in Atlanta. I want you to see this video. It's incredible. I mean, by the way, the pilots, they're like so cool, calm and collected. I mean, I don't know how you say that. I, I, I credit them with being very, very sort of nonchalant about it all. But uh, listen to this clip. One guy's like, hey, you, you just lost a wheel, buddy. Delta 982, this is the aircraft looking at you. you. One of your nose tires just came off. It just rolled off the runway uh, behind you. All right, tell you what, let me uh, talk to maintenance tower. Uh, let me have a, I'm going to contact our maintenance folks and see if we can get a tow in. Stand by one, please. Roger, go 982. Uh, tower, this is Delta So this is Delta. They lost a wheel there on the runway. And it comes on the heels of Virgin Atlantic, which was about to fly a plane, a little puddle jumper over to the U.S. into New York City from the U.K., one of the, the passengers on the flight noticed that it was missing some screws in the wing. I mean, this is great. This story, I, I'm telling you, I don't know what's going on with these airlines. New York City-bound flight canceled when passenger notices missing bolts on the plane wing. Yeah, you think? Let's see. I think we have a close-up of this picture. You can see it's like literally missing the actual bolts. Come on. All right, so the passenger notices this and says something, so they cancel the flight. You get the flight that, that loses its wheel. Thank goodness it was on the takeoff as opposed to the landing. But think of the other problems that that presents. I mean, you got a wheel flying down the runway. What if somebody's trying to take off? This is not good. And we had the video I showed you just the other day 
of the engine that was on fire, the plane leaving Miami. You think about what's going on with the door coming off the Boeing Max. For goodness sakes, this one. Wow. I mean, a, a child's stuffed animal was ripped out. Look at that. My gosh. Unbelievable. Just incredible, horrendous, scary stuff to see. I don't know where Pete is. Anybody know where Pete, little Petey is? You know, Mayor Pete? He's like our transportation secretary. Doesn't he have a cabinet position? I know he was like celebrating his birthday and stuff, but, uh, you know, uh, come on, buddy. I think it might be worthy of a speech right about now. What are we doing? What are we doing to protect our skies? Again, this particular story seems to be rather emblematic of everything that's going on in the nation because we don't have our eye on the ball on anything, not on the safety of our planes, not on our profits, not on our economy, not on our border. I mean, we are off quite literally in left field. Take a look at Virgin Atlantic. It's so proud. It's welcoming everybody. You know what? You can dress in whatever uniform you want at Virgin. This is their excitement over there. Okay, good. You know what? You, you go for that. Virgin, you do what you want to do. But make sure that you screw the screws in to the wings on the plane. Okay? Boeing, you do what you want to do. You're not all of these guys, like they just, they need to focus on actually running the business. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is inherently part of the problem with this whole environmental social governance, ESG, because they're being rewarded for having, you know, the purple with pur- purple hair or something on the board, as opposed to being rewarded for the profits that they're earning for their shareholders. And I should think shareholders should start suing because the shareholders are the ones that are losing out over and over and over again. That's the truth of it. And you know what? That's what this election effectively in so many different ways is becoming about. We're going to get to that a little bit more on that in a second. And uh, I know everybody wants to know who Trump is going to pick for his VP There's a little color on that that I want to share with you, important stuff that you should hear. And he did weigh in on this, so we're going to save that for a moment. Before we do that, can we go back to sports for just a second? Because, you know, we're talking about all these companies that lose sight of what matters. Can you think of any company more than Bud Light that's done that? I mean, Bud Light was so focused on its equity and inclusion that it didn't quite realize that it was excluding the very people that had made Bud Light successful. You know the story. We don't need to rehash it. But bottom line, sales are still down some 30%. And the company's really teetering, still on the brink of disaster, with the latest being that the Teamsters Union is like, yeah, we're not going to come to work. So they get like a whole host of problems. They got to increase wages. They've still got people that don't want to drink their beer. And so what do they do? Well, they fired the, well, Can we say fired? Dare we say fired? They parted ways with a couple of the marketing executives, the people over at Bud Light, and then the marketing executive in charge of the whole shebang parted ways with the company Anheuser-Busch, also known as AB InBev. It's a conglomerate of hundreds of beers all over the world. It was a Brazilian company and a Belgian company. They joined forces. They bought Anheuser-Busch out of St. Louis. They relocated everyone to New York, and so the story goes. 
And so this is a company that lost sight of who it was and who effectively brought the company to the dance. So now they got a marketing problem. So what are they doing? I have a question for you. I mean, do, do we really think that the Kid Rock thing was real? Remember, boom, 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 boom. He, he, he took out all those Bud Lights. And then all of a sudden, he was spotted at a concert down south drinking Bud Light. And then he went on Tucker Carlson's podcast and said, I forgive Bud Light. You know, shouldn't we all forgive him? It just so happens that his buddy Dana got a, got a big deal, right? The uh, MMA fighter thing, you know, the UFC, they got a big like hundred plus million dollar deal with Bud Light right around the same time. I'm just saying, does money talk? And if so, does money talk to Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey? I'm wondering if it was kind of a setup. I'm kind of questioning this video that we saw that went totally viral. Everyone's seen it. And you know what? There was some stuff that they weren't talking about in there. Just very casually placed. It it makes me think this might have been quite a little product placement deal, as they say in the advertising industry. So look at this clip. It's incredible. You see Taylor there. We're slowing it down for you. Here we are in slow-mo. So she's up in the box and she's hanging with Jason, Travis's brother, who's got his shirt off, right? And then she starts hugging her friend and everything. And of course, the camera comes to them. Do you see that guy by her side? I don't know. Is he security or something? He's got these special laser glasses on. It's at night. So why is he wearing sunglasses? And he suddenly sees that the camera's on them. What does he do? He starts lifting his blue can up into the shot, right? Look at that. And look at who is behind Taylor Swift in that shot, shirtless with his Bud Light can. What? is that about i'm just saying this strikes me and i hate to be such a cynic but you know (laughs) i wasn't born yesterday (laughs) this strikes me and i have no inside knowledge but i said the same exact thing about kid rock when i saw him standing with a bud light like why are you choosing bud light it's actually a very specific thing to choose and she's in the entertainment business so they don't live by the same kind of rules that say i don't know a a journalist might live by, if any journalist actually does these days, right? Whole other topic. So here's Travis and here's Taylor. And in light of this little product placement thing, it got me thinking, is that relationship even real? I mean, really? Think about it. Like, I mean, she's a grown woman. Why does she keep going to every single football game? She's got plenty of other things to do. She really does not need to be at every football game. I mean, do you go to your spouse's or your significant other or your girlfriend's everything or vice versa? I mean, no, like we're all busy adults and she doesn't need to go to his football games, except gosh, darn it. It's really helping ratings now, isn't it? You know, that the, the NFL, they're kind of loving Taylor Swift right now because she's bringing in a whole new demographic for the NFL. They were suffering, they were struggling, and all of a sudden they get a bunch of 16-year-old Swifties that actually want to watch football, not because they actually want to watch the game, but because of the magnet that is Taylor. And so the more cutaways you go to of Taylor Swift, the more ratings you're getting among this very cherished, very prized young female demographic. And the NFL is like, woohoo, we just hit the jackpot. Way to go, Travis, bringing it home. But again, I'm a realist. I'm a capitalist, and I'm guessing so is she. 
I mean, this is Taylor Swift, right? Who wouldn't give away her music to Apple or Spotify or anything else. Do you really think she's doing this out of generosity? Do you really think she just really wants to see Travis play? Or let's go back to that Bud Light clip. Or is it about something else? Is there a big payday involved? Because there's product placement. I mean, does, does the NFL actually pay her to be at these games? Again, maybe, maybe she just wants to cheer on the boyfriend and wear the cheerleading hat and pom-poms. But, and I have no inside knowledge and absolutely no real idea what I'm talking about this in fairness to her and to him and to football. <laughs> I just think it's a little much. And that has me concluding that there's a little exchange going on behind the scenes and that there's some product placement and there's a lot of reasons for her to be in this relationship that have nothing to do with loving Travis. But maybe loving the almighty dollar. Oh, by the way, didn't the New York Times do that whole thing on Taylor Swift being, can I say the gay word? I mean, New York Times did a whole article on it. That was kind of mean, actually. But that's neither here nor there. We just know that uh, some people might be for sale. Turning to people for sale. Let's get back to the political business, shall we? Okay, so New Hampshire's big deal. It's going on. Polls are still open, everyone. We have seen the polling data. But you know what? If you're in New Hampshire, you still need to get out. It does not matter. And whatever happens... Whatever happens, I'll tell you, it, it's going to say a lot about the party, the direction, and we're going to Monday morning quarterback it, sports analogy, for you, uh, like nobody's business. And we're going to do that here tomorrow. But in the meantime, we're going to go let them vote. I would say this. This is kind of interesting because it, authenticity is sort of, if, if I were to choose a word for 2024, the word of the year. I mean, over in Davos, they talk about equality and they talk about eco side because you, you can't kill the fish or vegetations. And they, they talk about privilege over at Johns Hopkins University. Here on this show, I think that one thing that we've sort of lost in recent years is authenticity. And hopefully it's coming back. I mean, if you're here, you're subscribed to the show, hit the bell, subscribe, like, share, do all that kind of stuff. Hopefully you believe in that authenticity. And that's one of the reasons why you're here. I will get out to your comments momentarily. As I said, it is a live program. So I love seeing you all here and, and so many familiar faces, including so many people, by the way. Hightower, Ian, great to see you. Dan as well. Great to see so many people have joined the Trish Regan, Reganite sort of club over on YouTube. But in other words, this authenticity where, you know, maybe we don't always play the right soundbite. Maybe we don't always have the, the spiffy graphics and the music and all of that. But it's me and you, and hopefully you get to know me, and I'm getting to know you, and, and we have that actual genuine, as much as you can be in this kind of medium, back and forth. And that's what has gotten lost. And I think one of the reasons why Trump continues to resonate, especially in this very viral new media kind of world, is because he has that authenticity. And sometimes he just calls it like it is, for better or for worse. The media hates it. The institutional types really, really hated. I mean, just think about how much Fauci hated him. But it's that authenticity that matters. He did this little interview on his plane in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, where I was born, actually. He was over at Pease Air Force Base, and he had touched down. He, he did a little walk and talk with Fox, and he talked about that authenticity. And here's what he had to say about his speech. This is important. 
Well, we want to close it up. I think we will close it up. I think it's going to be very successful, and we're having a lot of fun. Where are the notes? Where's the teleprompter? What's going on? I don't need too many notes, unlike, <laughs> unlike Biden. Yeah, Biden really needs his notes. How many times have we seen Biden in his notes? He's like, okay, can I call on you? I've been told I have to call on you. He's looking at the notes. He's looking at the reporters. Look, I mean, that is... For better or for worse, Donald Trump. I, I happen to consider it for the better. I actually appreciate the authenticity. One of the things I've always said about him as a reporter, as a journalist, as someone who's interviewed him many times and talked to him off on record, what I would say is he always tells it like it is, in some ways more than he should. Right? That's where he winds up getting in trouble. I remember so well, was it April or May of 2020? And the whole world was trying to keep it on the down low the coronavirus might have been created in a lab in Wuhan, China. And a reporter asked him about it. He's like, yeah, I've seen that intelligence. Woo, the next day, Nature Journal is out with a big headline. Fauci's going into overdrive. Everybody totally positively freaks out. But you know what? He was right. I mean, I guess everybody's agreed except for the CIA, which is split on this decision about where or not, whether or not it came from Wuhan, China. But for the most part, every three-letter agency has decided, yeah, it did come from that lab in Wuhan, China. But the fact that he actually told the truth, think about that. He was penalized. He was demonized for that. And so authenticity, it actually really does matter. And I think that ultimately is what is going to help deliver things in the 2024 election. Again, anything could happen. I want to point out Nikki Haley is giving it the old college try. And she said that she's going down to South Carolina. She's not giving up. No matter what happens, this woman, she says she's not giving up. I mean, we'll see if she has enough money. Maybe she does. I mean, maybe that maybe they can keep bankrolling her. But ultimately, I think it does come down to the people. And I think the people have a say. And money's not, at the end of the day, going to dictate everything. Dan, thank you. He just said something really interesting. We were talking about authenticity. And Dan, uh, one of our, our Reganites here, said that it, it's my empathy that actually sets me apart. I, I hope so. I mean, I, I do think I'm actually a pretty empathetic person, and I try and be extremely fair. And I think sometimes we, we lose sight of that with all the political shenanigans that go on and the dirty tricks. And we, we need to, to remember, again, that, that we're all human. And I, I think... At this particular moment in time, we should be willing to be vulnerable. And there's a vulnerability, there's an authenticity, there's a, a self-deprecating style to Donald Trump that I do believe has made him a success, unlike any other politician out there. Even when you look at Vivek, right? Vivek is great. He's super smart. And I've always thought that about him. I mean, sometimes he's talking and I'm like, wait, what? Like, he, it's, it's great. Right. And, and I think that he has a huge future. But in terms of just the empathy, in terms of the self-deprecation, all of those things that maybe they just come with age. I don't know. Donald Trump really exposes himself in those ways. And I think that it is to his benefit to do so. The big question on everybody's mind, of course, is who's going to be his VP? What do you think? I mean, some people are talking about Vivek. We talked about that yesterday. Some people within the campaign actually really liked Vivek. I don't see that happening. But, you know, his name is being floated out there. We've had Nikki Haley's name floated out there. Donald Trump said no. He also said no to Ron DeSantis. I mean, I would never envision in a zillion years, Chris Christie, right? Because, like, at this point, 
Is he like going to vote for Biden? He says he won't, but I don't see him really hitting the campaign trail for Donald Trump. So who's out there? We get some interesting characters. Tim Scott out of South Carolina. Tim Scott is being talked about. Congratulations, Tim. He just got engaged. He was up in Laconia, New Hampshire with the former president just last night. You've got some other folks like Kirsty Nome out of South Dakota. You've got Carrie Lake out of Arizona. You've got Marsha Blackburn. Nobody's talking about her out of Tennessee. I mean, she'd be an interesting choice. You've got Elise Stefanik out of New York, the woman who took down Harvard, who went to Harvard herself. And a few others, a few others. I'm just curious to see your comments because I know you're all weighing in on this. We've got Byron Donalds, who's been on the program, really smart guy out of Florida. It makes it tricky if both are from Florida. I mean, there are quite a few names. I'd say the good news is we got a really, really big stable of people that are interested and are competent. Tucker Carlson, he's also been mentioned. But Donald Trump actually said something really, really interesting about who he thinks is going to be his vice president. He actually mentioned, again, on another Fox thing. I don't get it. Like, Fox is suddenly his best friend. I mean, I think he's wise to it. But Fox is like, can we give you another interview? Can we give you another interview? Rupert must be okay with it these days. Or Lachlan, I guess. He's supposedly calling the shots. So they they did this little interview up in New Hampshire, and the Fox reporter says, hey, uh, Who's going to be your VP? Let, let's watch. You said in our town hall that you had an idea or you might have already decided about your VP pick. When do you think you're going to make that? Well, it's never really had that much of an effect on an election, which is an amazing thing. Both election and primary, it's never really had much of an effect. I may or may not release something uh, over the next couple of months. There's no rush to that. It won't have any impact at all. The person that I think I like is a very good person, a pretty standard. I think people won't be that surprised. But I would say there's probably a 25% chance it would be that person. Is Senator Tim Scott on the list now? No, he's a great guy. You know, he, he endorsed me. There's an example. Nikki comes from South Carolina. Tim Scott is from South Carolina. But if you look, the governor, great governor, another senator, Lindsay, we happen to like Lindsay. But uh, Henry McMaster knows her very well. He endorsed me. It's very hard for a governor to endorse somebody when you have, you know, I mean, Henry McMaster was the lieutenant governor under her. And he endorsed me. And he's going to be here tonight. In 15 minutes, you're going to be watching him speak. I'm going to introduce him. He's a great guy. He's done a great job. You see that? So he, he, he kind of pivoted nicely so and gotten a few digs against his opponent there in New Hampshire, Nikki Haley. They're voting today in the New Hampshire primary. So he kind of took a shot at her and said, hey, everybody in South Carolina, they're, they're endorsing me while simultaneously pivoting away from the question of who's going to be his VP. I will say this. You know what? He's right. That's gonna, not going to make or break him. And it, and it shouldn't. It's one of the reasons, you know, look, the, the vice president is there as a stand-in just in case. The vice president is also there to go out and, and shake hands and, meet people and do all the things that the president doesn't want to have to do. So back in the day, I just was like, Oh, Mike Pence, he'd be just perfect. Cause you know, he's on script and he's kind of just good at being sort of the wallflower. And that's kind of, I think what you want only in that, well, you need somebody who's decent enough to take over. Don't get me wrong. That's why, that's why you can't pick some lame old person like Kamala Harris. <laughs> 
Okay, sorry, but she's lame. And I always say this, you know, you guys don't like Biden. I don't like Biden either. But what's the alternative, for goodness sakes? I mean, be careful what you wish for, because we certainly don't want Kamala Harris as president of the United States, right? So in light of that, you need somebody who's decent enough in the slot, who's not going to speak words out and drive you all crazy, but simultaneously, not somebody who's going to dominate, right? Who's going to take over the stage and be a bigger personality, I think you need someone who can kind of stay the course. With that in mind, and you know, you know I love Vivek, you know I love Carrie, a lot of people out there I love. I mean, Tucker, we don't see eye to eye on everything, and and we didn't in the past, and I had the unfortunate, unfortunate position of being opposite him (laughs) on the other Fox network, the the redheaded stepchild, but he's a smart guy, and he understands the media, and I'd feel confident with him there as VP. I just question whether it's a little too much personality and a little too much energy for somebody like Donald Trump. And same thing with Carrie Lake, brilliant woman. Is it too much energy? I'm asking you guys. I'm curious what you guys think, because you want someone who's going to be complimentary, somebody who's going to help him get to the finish line, but is not polarizing. Because guess what? He kind of does that in and of himself, right? Like he can polarize enough. So who is the person that's just kind of going to stand there, sit there, and look pretty. That, that's kind of the question who's also extremely competent. I mean, the beauty of this job is you can kind of just be smart and fade into the background. So we need somebody who's smart and can fade into the background, who maybe has a political future but knows how to wait their turn. Ron DeSantis doesn't want to wait his turn. Nikki Haley doesn't want to wait his turn. Tim Scott, he might, Right. Tim Scott might be the kind of person that's competent, that can help deliver a state like Georgia and simultaneously be supportive without sucking all the energy and oxygen out of the room. David, David, you agree with me, right? Like lots and lots of energy. And that's the thing. Hightower, thank you very much. That is not a job I would (laughs) ever want, in all honesty. Don, great to have you back here. Don Baca has just been like single-handedly championing this channel, and I want to call him out again. I feel like I do this every day, but I really appreciate it, Don. And I encourage you guys to to do the same, because I'm clearly, I'm not wired that way. I, I just like to talk and connect with you guys. I always forget to say subscribe. But We do have a lot of subscribers now. They have been very hardly won over 182,000 subs right now. Wow. So this has just been building by, you know, one one sub at a time. So spread the word, share the word. We've got a lot going on. I am going to be back here tomorrow with you live. We're going to have full coverage of the New Hampshire primary. We're going to dissect everything. But I'll tell you, if you're in New Hampshire right now, you got a lot of time still. The polls are open. Go vote, go vote, go vote now. It's important. I'll see you tomorrow.